Awesome. Good morning, everyone. It is so great to gather. I'm so thankful that all of you woke up this morning and chose to come to church. I'm grateful for those that are online as well. I'm thankful that we get to worship and gather in community. Um, and especially we have the encouragement that we get to do it as a body and as one people. We get to call on Jesus and we have that wonderful opportunity. And so let us rejoice and be glad in that. Uh, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Lord, I thank you for who you were, for who you are. I thank you for your scriptures and your word and your kindness and your love um, and that you are for us, Lord. We thank you that we can worship you with our minds and our bodies and our lips, Lord. I pray that you fill this place and speak to our hearts, open up our ears and our minds to receive your word and to leave here changed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, we are, well, first off, as most of you know, I am not Pastor Shannon. Um, that is not who I am. My name is John, for those of you who don't know me or maybe you're online. Um, I'm the youth and young adult director, so I have an opportunity to hang out with students and young adults and be invested in their lives, and I'm very thankful to be able to do that. As you know, we are continuing our journey, as we've been doing for the past 10 years in Mark, um, and we will continue to do so. Uh, sometimes Shannon does ask, hey, do you think we should, like, keep going through Mark? And my answer is always an emphatic yes, because it is always so good to stop and slow down in parts of Scripture. Often we want to take big bites, but just like a giant hamburger, it's not good for us sometimes. So to slow down and listen and to take in God's word one step at a time, we're able to see things more clearly sometimes than if we just went through it really fast. And so I'm thankful that we've been going slow in Mark and we're able to learn from it. So today we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Uh, tonight, today we're going to talk about this man named Bartimaeus. Or for short, I'm going to say Bart. Um, as I was studying, I keep calling him Nicodemus. So any of those names may work this morning. Um, this is actually the last healing story in the book of Mark. It's not the most exhilarating story, like raising someone from the dead or doing anything like that, but still it's noteworthy and it shows us a lot about the gospel story. And a lot of people like to look at this, if anyone knows sort of Christian tradition, Bartimaeus was blind, spoiler, spoiler alert, Jesus heals him, right? <laughs> um, and a lot of us like to uh, think of that story as a healing story. Uh, which is a good lens to look at it through. But today I'm going to talk about it as a discipleship story. How he came to Bart and he spoke to him and he called him to him and Bart had to answer that call. And what he did was extremely important. Just like our lives, God has called us into discipleship and our response to that call is extremely important. And that's what we're going to look at it through today, through the lens of discipleship. But before we do that, it's good a little bit to look back at our last account. Uh, so our previous account before we get to Bartimaeus was James and John, two disciples of Jesus, go to Jesus um, and they ask him that he, one would sit on their left and one would sit on their right in the kingdom of heaven when Jesus comes to rule the nation and so forth. They didn't really understand what Jesus was doing. What's really interesting is this story of Bartimaeus. Um, there's a lot of parallels between the story that the disciples asked something of Jesus um, and also this story of Bartimaeus being healed. And really there are three things, although there may be more, that we can quickly identify. And it's good to note these um, because scripture is one continuous story. Um, and he does these things on purpose because all throughout the message I'm going to talk about or reflect on 
the disciples' response to Jesus and then Bartimaeus' response to Jesus in hopes that we learn and gain something from Bartimaeus in our own spiritual faith journeys. And so uh, the first thing is both identified, James and John and Bartimaeus, are identified by their father and they title Jesus a name. In verse 35, uh, James and John were called sons of Zebedee and called Jesus teacher. In verse 47, Bartimaeus is called son of Timaeus, and he calls Jesus son of David. The disciples see Jesus, and all they want is glory and power. But yet when Bartimaeus sees Jesus, all he sees is his only hope. And so it's so interesting that all these disciples walked so closely with Jesus and saw some amazing things. They still didn't get it. But Bartimaeus, although he didn't really understand fully, and he never saw Jesus, yet he understood The second thing in which they're similar is Jesus asks them both the same question. Uh, The disciples go to Jesus, can we sit at your right or your left? Or actually before that, they say, Jesus, uh, will you give us what we ask of you? And Bartimaeus, as the same thing, calls on Jesus. And Jesus' exact word for word is the same between both groups. And it says, what do you want me to do for you? Again, the disciples, James and John, wanted prestige. But yet Bartimaeus... He wanted his physical sight. And yet not only did God grant him the physical sight, but he also granted him spiritual eyes to see who Jesus was. And the third point, which we're going to talk a lot about today, is both experienced spiritual blindness. In verse 37, it says, James and John, let one sit at your right hand and the other the left hand in glory. And Shannon made a great note when he talked about this. He said, the disciples were not necessarily mad at James and John for asking such a question, They were mad because they didn't ask Jesus first. And so it reveals the heart of who or what the disciples were thinking about. And then Bartimaeus says this, Rabbi, I want to see. The disciples could not see Jesus fully or clearly. And so they just wanted something from him selfishly. How often do we just want things from Jesus, but we don't want Jesus himself? It's a lot easier to ask him of things and to receive all the benefits of who Christ is without really giving him any of our heart. But yet Bartimaeus asked something that all of us need to ask. The real question of the disciple, the real question of the follower of Jesus, the plea, Lord, help me to see. And that's what we're going to talk about today is learning something from Bartimaeus today. And so that is why our message is titled Learning from Bart. Because Bart has a lot of things that we can learn about, a lot of things we can apply I'm going to read the story of Bartimaeus. It is purposely not on your screen. Um, So just go ahead and listen to it after I read it. We're going to go verse by verse and kind of see what we can learn from Bartimaeus um, and go from there. Mark chapter 10. If you really want something, there are the Bibles in front of you. So go ahead and grab that. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46. I'm going to go ahead and read. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called him and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? 
Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received the sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now we're going to slow down. We're going to jump back to verse 46. And verse 46 says this. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. They came to Jericho. That's just our setting of the scene. So Jesus is close to his crucifixion. Right after Jericho, he enters Jerusalem. Uh, the next account right after this is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where he's um, on the donkey and they lay down the branches and they praise him, Hosanna, Hosanna. Um, and so right before this, Jesus is looking to the cross. Within time, he's going to die. He understands it, he gets it, he's told his disciples, but yet they don't get it. So to say the least, he has a lot on his mind. He has a lot going on. And this may have well been one of the last time that these people saw Jesus, unless they were part of the people that, were, that went with him when he entered Jerusalem. In addition to all of this, there's a lot of spiritual significance of the city of Jericho. If we recall, this was the first city that the Israelites engaged with or destroyed when they first entered the promised land. Right, they, they go uh, past the sea, they get to the promised land, and this is the first place that they go to in their journey. And this is what it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. And this is important to know. And it says, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, very important, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. And so he, the Lord tells Joshua, walk around Jericho for six days, once a day for six days. Then the seventh day, walk around seven times and then blast the trumpets. And then I will deliver the city into your hands. But the reality is, is the people didn't see what God was doing until he did what he did. On the seventh day, they didn't really get it. It was weird. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. They didn't really see it until they saw it. The whole account today is we're going to talk about how God opens the blind, opened the eyes of the unbeliever. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, We were dead in our transgressions and sins. Right? When we used to follow the prince of the air, which is Satan. Right? It says we were dead. At some point we were lost. Before you knew Christ, you couldn't have known him yourself. Somebody had to open your eyes to see Jesus, to see something better than you, better than your circumstances, better than whatever is going on. Somebody, someone, and that is God, had to open your eyes. And then God also opens the eyes of those who follow him so that, we may, so that way we may see him better and deeply and more intimately. And I think of Romans chapter 9, 15 that says, For God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on who I have compassion. And that's in reference to the story of when Moses is hanging out with God for a long time and they're together. And then Moses says this audacious thing to God and he says, I want to see your glory. I want to see more of you. Although Moses, you could argue, knew God the most more than any other character in the Bible possibly. And yet his cry and plea was, Lord, I want to see you. And God's response was, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on who I have compassion. It is God who opens the eyes of the believer. It is God who opens the eyes of those who follow Jesus in order to see him more clearly. Then in Jericho, once their eyes were opened, just like us, they were responsible for what they saw. 
all of us are responsible for what we know and what we see and what we know as truth according to the revelation of Scripture. If you know it and you've seen it, we're all accountable to it. Let's go ahead and continue on in our story in verse 46. Or go back to our verse. Then they continue to, on Jericho. Then it introduces our character. It says, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So here's our main character, Bartimaeus. In this culture, he was seen as expendable. He was the least of the least. He had the most humbling job. He had to beg. He had no friends. He didn't have pride in what he did. All he had was this dirty cloak. And by world standards, he was nothing according to this time. And it also makes a note, Bartimaeus. So his name means son of Timaeus. In this time and culture, you were defined by your heritage, by who your father was, who your father's father was. That's how you were sort of defined. And this is what somebody says about the name Timaeus. There is a chance that Bartimaeus was a historical person with a meaningless last name. So here enters our character, blind, no heritage of importance, begging, insignificant in the eyes of most people, but not to Jesus. Out of all the large crowd that was there, it was Bartimaeus who God stopped for, who Jesus stopped for. This is the man that humbles all of us when it comes to discipleship. And this is the man who answered the call. God doesn't care about our status, about our knowledge, about our independence, about what we do. He doesn't care about any of that, but he cares about our heart. Although there was a large crowd, it was only to Bartimaeus that he go to because of what was in his heart and not his outward appearance. And I am beyond thankful that that is the case for all of us. Jesus didn't save you and call you because you can contribute a lot to the kingdom. He saved you and called you because he loves you and he saw what was in your heart and he calls you into discipleship. That is the denial of everything that this world offers and to pursue Jesus wholeheartedly with everything that you have, every bit of yourself, every part of yourself, because you are no longer yourself. Your eyes are his, your ears are his, your mind is his, your body is his. Every part of you doesn't belong to you anymore once you get called into discipleship. It is to lay your life down for the sake of the gospel. It is to lay your life down for the sake of Jesus, no matter what that means. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing with Bartimaeus that we are going to come and to learn. And one last thing, note I want to make about this scripture is it was just a normal day. There wasn't anything special or different about it. Bartimaeus was doing what he was doing every single day, sitting and begging, insignificant, forgotten, lost, hungry, dirty, defeated. Here's another day. Just like today is another day, just a normal Sunday. And yet like Bartimaeus, God used a normal day to absolutely change the trajectory of his life. And hopefully today, if we see as Jesus has called us to see, our lives will be changed. And the trajectory of everything that we do and our thoughts and our desires and our being and ourself will completely change for the sake of Jesus and the sake of the gospel. If we would only see how magnificent Jesus is in comparison to everything else in this world that will fail you. It is only in Jesus do we have hope. But yet we don't see. Let's continue on to verse 47 and it says this. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Every morning I wake up before the sun is out, and the first thing I do is I walk my dog. And usually what's very interesting is uh, my dog, really tough, really strong, really vicious, 
seven-pound Yorkie, um, she can see things that I can't see, and she can hear things that I can't hear. There's this raccoon that lives up on 25th, and we see him often in our morning walks, but I don't see him because it's pitch dark. But my dog, whenever that raccoon is around, her ears perk up, and she sees it, and she looks at it, and she kind of like warns me. Today, as we were walking, we got two houses down, and there was something under a car. I have no idea what it is. It's not a cat. Don't tell her, but she's scared of cats. Um, it was, I don't know, a possum or a tiny raccoon. And anyway, as we were walking, and she always walked on my right side, she bolted in front of me because she saw it, and she wanted to go get it. And by accident, I did kick her. Um, but she saw things that I did not see. And what's interesting is Bartimaeus here says, when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a quote that says, he who hesitates is lost. Bartimaeus in this moment could have said, you know what, my stomach kind of hurts. I'll just wait until Jesus comes next year. I'll just wait until he comes around again. Or hey, maybe later, maybe in an hour. I don't want to bother him. Like I see what he's doing, but I kind of have my own thing going on. Like I'm still trying to get food. I'm still hungry. But Bartimaeus didn't do any of that. And some of us here may be teetering and tottering and thinking, at some point, when this happens and that happens, I'll follow Jesus. When my kids are off, I'll follow Jesus. When I have this job that I want, I'll follow Jesus. When my life is fully good, then I'll follow Christ. Or you know what? Maybe before I die, I'll follow Jesus. But the quote is true. He who hesitates is lost. There's a quote by this lady named Elizabeth Gilbert, and I love it, and it says this. Look for God. Look for God like a man with his head on fire looks for water. If your head was on fire, your hair was on fire right now, would you care what any of us thought about you in that moment? How your clothes look, your style, how you carry yourself, what you do, no one would care. And the same thing, Bartimaeus displays the call of a true disciple that they don't care what the world thinks or what the world does. As a man with his head on fire looks for water, so us also look for God. And Bartimaeus threw everything aside. And the next verse says this, many rebuked him and told Bartimaeus to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. It's so interesting here that Bartimaeus had no one to help him. He had no friends to carry him. He had no one to encourage him. He had no one to bring him to Jesus. Unlike the man in Mark 2 who had the four friends that, that uh, broke the roof to lower him down so that way their friend may be healed, this man had no one. He walked alone. He had nobody. And if that was most of us, none of us would shout out for Jesus. I know that it would be very difficult for me to do it. None of us would do that. And so here is our first point. Have you allowed the booming voice of culture to quiet your resolve for Jesus? Every day we are bombarded by things that are opposite to what Jesus has called us to everywhere social media, our workplaces, the news, politics, your friends, everywhere. We are bombarded by anti-Jesus ideas and ideologies. And it can easily discourage the strongest of us. We're continually in it every day. We're surrounded by people and a culture that exclaims, do whatever is right in your own eyes. Speak your truth. Your truth is your truth. No, the only truth is Scripture and God's truth. But often we are bombarded by all these things that culture is telling us. And often that results in the quieting of our resolve for Christ. 
Even our family, when they discourage us, it's alarming and it's difficult. My heart goes out to the kids in youth ministry and the young adults in young adult ministry when they don't have families that proclaim Jesus or they don't have families that live out the gospel clearly. My heart breaks because it's hard. And it's even more hard when us as families are not doing it. It is so difficult to follow Jesus in our culture. But oftentimes we allow the booming voice to quiet our resolve. And in that scripture, it says they rebuked him. When he was shouting for him, they rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he didn't listen. Instead, it says he shouted all the more. We need to learn from Bartimaeus. It has been a sad revelation in my own life. And I've only walked with Jesus not, not as long as most of you. And it's been a sad reality that those who were running towards Christ with me are no longer running because the booming voice of culture told them otherwise. Or life circumstances happened and they defined the goodness of God by what happens in your situation. But the goodness of God never changes despite your situation. He is always good and always right and always righteous and always loving and it saddens me and those people that used to walk so closely with me with Jesus ignore me because they know I'm gonna talk to them about Jesus so they ignore my text and they ignore my call and they want to talk to me about things that are opposite of Jesus and I always bring it back to Jesus because today is the day of salvation none of us are guaranteed our tomorrow so I urge you brothers and sisters in the faith to be like Bartimaeus if no one around you, around you is praying, you pray. If no one around you reads your Bible, you read your Bible. If no one around you seeks Jesus, you seek Jesus. We do not care what the culture does or what other people do. We will seek Jesus. People will rebuke you and tell you to stop and tell you to take your Christian ideas and go elsewhere. But no, if we are resolved in Christ, we will seek him when no one else is seeking him. Just like the man Daniel he lived in a culture that was much like ours that do not glorify the things of God. And yet he prayed three times a day. Do you know why? Because he disciplined himself to do it. Even when he didn't want to do it, he resolved. And just like Bartimaeus. And I am so thankful as a younger follower of Jesus that there are people in this room who seek after God, who pray and honor him. And that encourages me. And that keeps me going because I need people like that in my life to encourage me and my own faith. We all need each other. That is the purpose of discipleship. It is not a one-man road. It is a journey that all of us are a part of. And if you feel convicted that you have lost your resolve, let today be the day in which you call back to Jesus and you lay everything aside and that you follow him. Do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. To whom else shall we go that has the words of eternal life? Who else can give us purpose and hope? What little G gods can answer our prayers? Who can restore us? Who can give us peace? Who in this world? No one besides Jesus. And it is only through Jesus that we can have life and life everlasting. Whom else shall we go? There is no one and nothing, no place, nowhere that we can go except in the arms of Jesus. And it isn't a wonderful that his arms are open and he wants us to come to him and he wants us to seek him. Every day, it's a new day. That's, why, that's what I love about Jesus. I may have been so disobedient yesterday, but he offers me a new life, a new opportunity today. His scripture is clear. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, purify us from what? All unrighteousness. All of it. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed my transgressions from us. It is only through Jesus. And isn't it beautiful and wonderful that he doesn't hold you to the sin that you did because Jesus already paid for that sin on the cross, so it's gone. And isn't that the beautiful message of the gospel and who Jesus is? There is no one else that we can go to. No one else. Verse 39, it says this. So he was calling him, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. It says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Jesus stopped and called him. Jesus was with a large crowd. He was exhausted and he was tired. Yet he took the time, even though he could see the crosses near. Not only was he scared of dying physically. Many people die physically in the manner in which he died. But he was not looking forward to being separated from God because of the sin that we have. He didn't want to die spiritually. And so he has this thing that's looming over him. And he, but yet he stops. There's a promise in Jeremiah chapter 29, 13 that says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Our second point is this. Seek Jesus and you will find Jesus. God is never too busy for you. He never has too much on his plate. He is always there. But yet there was a prerequisite here for Bartimaeus in order to come to Jesus. Do you know what it was? He had to call out to Jesus. And then Jesus stopped. But yet, if we look even further back, it was Jesus who was the one who walked past him. So although we look at Bartimaeus and we see the initiative that he took and the faith, let us commend that, yes. But it was Jesus who was the one who walked past him. And there's a biblical truth, and that truth said, no one seeks after God, Romans chapter 3. No, not one man seeks after God. Everyone goes their own way, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one seeks God. It is God who seeks us. And in Ephesians chapter 2, like we talked about earlier, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. But then verse 4, one of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. We, we follow Satan because we were disobedient. We were dead in our sins. We could do nothing for ourselves. And then it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. What is Bartimaeus calling out? Son of David, have mercy on me. God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive. It is only God who can open the eyes of all of us. But yet, there's a clear responsibility in those who follow Jesus to follow Jesus. We cannot say, well, if Jesus will call me, then let him do it, and I will sit back and allow him to work. There's a responsibility amongst all of us in order to follow Jesus. We need to seek him with all of our heart, as it says in Jeremiah. Promise you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We are all accountable to God's call of discipleship. And it's not always going to be easy. And that is why we need each other. That is why we need church today. That is why we need worship. Because our natures do not desire God all the time. And I know that I'm not alone in that. And we need each other. We need the spirit to help us and to strengthen us to do the things that he has called us to do. Oftentimes, Jesus puts things in our lives that we may seek him, but sometimes we ignore him because we are fallible and we are sinful. For Bartimaeus, he was blind. Why? So Jesus may call him. For me, I had a dysfunctional, dysfunctional parents, lived with my grandma, didn't really understand the dynamic of family, and yet God used that as an opportunity to call me. Even more simply and truer, 
God does things in our lives so that we may be called back to him and we may be called deeper with him. And so when he does that, I encourage you to see it and to know it and to follow after him with all of your heart because you will never regret it. But oh, how I will regret the many hours spent watching TV or video games or wasting time. But I will never regret the time I spend with Jesus. I will never do it because when my life is called, I will get to spend eternity with him. So as they called him, so they called him, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. What I love about this, this is also a rebuke to the people who told him to be quiet because he called him. The next slide, verse 50, it says, throwing his cloak aside, Bartimaeus, he jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. Throwing his cloak aside. And our third point today is, Bart answered the call, will you? Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Bart tossed away the only thing that was hindering him from Christ. The only thing that he had, he tossed it aside, throwing his cloak aside in excitement and joy to seek after Jesus. And that's what he did. He tossed it aside. What is stopping you from pursuing Christ? Is it worth it? Toss it aside. Is it your phone? Is it social media? Uninstall it. Don't have a phone. Is it your TV? What is it? What are the things that are keeping us from Christ? Is it worth it? And oftentimes it is not. And God has been teaching and talking to me about the many things in my life that I am not honoring him with. And I hope and I pray that I am strong enough in the moments that he calls me to abandon it, that I will, like Bartimaeus, that tossed his cloak aside in order to follow him. And may he give me the strength to do so because I cannot on my own. And yet I am still accountable for each thing that I do. A call and follower of Jesus is to forsake everything and follow after Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and this is where it gets really great, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? On Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, And that's what it's saying here. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Doesn't sin entangle us and keep us down? I know it does in my life. And yet the call is as followers of Jesus to lay all those things aside. And the invitation and call is to do it and to do it today and to do it even when you don't feel like it. The next verse says this. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Again, word for word, what the disciples prior to asked him, or what Jesus asked his disciples, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. It's an invitation Jesus gave him to come and see. And then once he saw, he continued to see because he followed after Jesus. On a spiritual level, he is voicing and proclaiming everything that we should be asking Jesus. Lord Jesus, I just want to see more of you, even when I don't want to, and even when it's not easy, and even when you're calling me into things that are very difficult and hard because my sinful nature doesn't want it. Lord, help me to see Romans 9, 15. For God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, compassion on whom I have compassion. It is God that gives us the mercy and the compassion in order to see him and the greatness and the superiority of who Jesus is over anything 
in the culture. It's an invitation. Rabbi, I just want to see Lord Jesus open my eyes that is so fixed and fixated on the things of this world and things that will waste away and things that will be lost. Help me not to focus on that, Lord. Help me to focus on you. Open my eyes that I may see something superior than anything else. Although Bartimaeus did not truly understand what he was asking, much like all of us, we do not truly know what we're asking, but yet God always shows up. And he reveals things to us. For those who seek him will be found by him. Our last verse is this. And this is where we're going to close in a little bit. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Mark 10, verse 52. Our last point is this. Jesus is the only remedy. Not only is the only remedy in our physical world now, but he is the only remedy for our spiritual souls. And isn't that what is most important? Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, What good, uh, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Don't let the world distract you from who Jesus is and the greatness of who he is and what he offers you. Don't let it, because it has distracted me more times than I can say, and I will be the first one to admit it. But like I tell the youth on Tuesdays, the reason why I come, keep coming back to Jesus even after I have been out in the world is because Jesus and only Jesus satisfies, like the world cannot satisfy. And isn't that true? Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. In the last verse we're going to read, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16, it says this, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. The reality is that scripture is talking about you and me. Oh, that he would guide us to his light. Although we walk often in blindness and darkness, and we lack understanding, and we lack knowledge, and we can't comprehend the greatness and goodness of God is, oh, that he would take us from a place of darkness and bring us into a place of spiritual light that we may see him. And not only see him, but after we see him, like Bartimaeus, we may seek him. And that's what it said in that last verse. Immediately he received his sight, and then he followed Jesus along the road. Unlike the ten lepers that all were healed and only one went to him, Bartimaeus kept with him. Even though now he could see and experience all the things that the world offers, he no longer had to be shameful or beg. But yet, what he chose was the superior thing, was to follow Jesus. The call of discipleship is twofold. The first thing is that we will come to believe in Jesus, that Jesus was born as a man, fully being God, fully being human, that he would come in this world and he would have one purpose. And that one purpose would be to die on the cross for our sins. Not only would he die physically, but he would die spiritually. In so doing, he would take all of our sins from past, present, future of, of every believer who ever walked this world, and it would be nailed to the cross and it would be gone. And in so doing, if you believe that, and then he rose from the dead three days later, in so believing those things, you will have faith. But there's the reality and the counterpart to that, which is the harder thing for most of us, and it's the harder thing for me, is that we may live for Jesus. Not only do we believe in Jesus, but we live for Jesus. We can't expect to receive the blessings of Christ if our lives are not reflections of who Christ is. This is not a by work salvation, but this is 
a work in what we do because of the greatness of who Jesus is. And it's a reflection of our heart, as it says in Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is the goal of discipleship, is not only to believe in him, but then to live like it is true and to follow after him. It's a good note, and our last thing, is what Bart left behind. He left behind all he had in order to follow Jesus. And I hope that I have the same resolve as Bart did, although he didn't fully understand, but that we may learn from Bart and all that he did in his call and his faith journey, because all of us are in our own journey. And I just want to encourage you to keep at your journey. Keep at it, because Jesus is worth it. And I need people that are keeping at their journey because I need the encouragement. Those who are older and those who are younger, we're all one family. Let's continue the goal of discipleship, which is to seek after Jesus, to lay our cloaks aside, and to call on him, Lord, have mercy on me. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. Your call of discipleship is a call of love and care and devotion, Lord. As Bartimaeus said, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us that we may see, Lord, that we may see the superiority of who you are in your gospel over this world that does not satisfy. We come before you, Lord. Give us the strength to do so because we cannot on our own. Help us to honor you with the gifts that you have given us and the path and the road that you have called us to. We cannot do it on our own, and we are thankful that even when we mess up and even when we fall short, you forgive us, and you are with us, and you are encouraging us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray.